0: Greetings book lovers everywhere, and welcome back to E-Train Talks. I'm E-Train. I'm a 12-year-old literacy advocate, podcast host, and booktuber. Here on E-Train Talks, I try to shine a light on all things books in the hopes of inspiring others to love reading as much as I do. If you're tuning into my show today, then I'm so excited to announce that joining me is someone I'd call Not just a middle grade author, but really someone who truly understands middle school far greater than any other author that I've talked to. I guess you could call her a middle school author. She shares a roadmap that helps tweens and teens navigate through the social obstacles and challenges of middle school through her fascinating and informative books. I'm referring to the amazing person zooming in across from me today, the wonderful author Jessica Speer. Just to fill you in a bit more, Jessica has a master's degree in social sciences, as well as experience exploring social and emotional topics in ways that connect with kids. And she's taking all of her knowledge and has written three books, Middle School City Goggles Advised, Exploring the Weird Stuff from Gossip to Grades, Clichés and Clicks and Crushes, Popularity and Peer Pressure. i got to point over the books because she's got so many. And she also has written BFF or NRF, A Girl's Guide to Happy Friendships. And her newest book is coming out very soon. It's the phone book. Stay safe, be smart, and make the world better with the powerful device in your hand. I am so excited to discuss all three of these books. And I have questions in all three of these stories. So speaking of the questions... Thank you so much for being here, Jessica. I'm so excited to jump into some questions about your stories and the work, all the work that you do. Thank you for having me, E-trade. I'm so excited to talk with you about all this
1: stuff because you're you're in the middle of it. You're in the, the middle of middle school, which is, yeah, as as you could see, it's a time of life that fascinates me. So I love to to write about it.
0: Well, I love that you write about it because before going into middle school, I really needed some kind of guide because I'd heard all these different stories from my friends who were in grades above about like crushes and also all the drama that happens and weird stuff that happens that we can talk a lot more about in the questions. So your books were really a guide for me and for many other kids. I hope that your stories do the same and help kids feel the same after reading a bit more. I guess I can do this. Yeah, that's what
1: I hope. I mean, because it is, it's a crazy time. And so just, I wanted to help arm kids with some resources in their back pocket for when life does get interesting and it does tend to get interesting, you know, in in the preteen years.
0: Yeah, it definitely gets interesting. So of course we have some pretty interesting questions and you'll have some pretty interesting answers about them as well. So firstly, my first question for you is, well, First, you write books full of advice for middle schoolers, which as a middle schooler myself, I find extremely helpful. But since you're not a middle schooler yourself, I mean, obviously, how do you come up with so many relatable topics for your books? How do you kind of get in the nitty gritty of all the emotions and feelings that we have? Yeah, yeah.
1: It's been a long time since I've been in middle school, but my books, actually two of the three, grew out of time I spent with students. Um, So BFF or NRF grew out of a friendship program that I used to run pre-COVID in schools. Um, And so, you know, I just kept hearing similar stories and things that, that girls were struggling with. So that's what inspired that book and then for my second book yeah I spent some time in seventh grade classrooms um, middle school safety goggles advice grew out of that because um, seventh grade seems to be the almost the most interesting of all the interesting middle school years um, so yeah I'd like to really explore um, with kids you know what they're going through and then use their stories to, to write these books and I also am the mom of two now teens. So actually when I was writing both of those books, they were also right in the target age of my readers. So they they helped me a lot. They helped me as beta readers and gave me lots of feedback.
0: That's great. And now you're scaring me because I'm going into seventh grade right now.
1: (laughs) It's gonna be E Chain, you're gonna love it. And you're okay. the incoming president. So you you're the boss. You you got this. And you know what? I shouldn't say everybody. So some kids, you have a totally different experience. Some it's amazing and they love it. And some, you know, they hit some bumps in the road, and that's that's okay too. But no, I don't want to scare you. You're gonna be amazing president of your seventh
0: grade class. Thank you. And I hope seventh grade goes as smoothly as middle school can for not just me, but I mean all the kids, because from reading your books, I know that middle school is not just a one-person struggle. Everybody has stuff going on, and so gotta remember that when you're going through the t- tween slash teen years. Yeah,
1: yeah, lots of changes. Everyone's kind of exploring their identity and figuring out who their friends are and figuring out where they feel like they fit. And yeah, you know, so there's there is a lot of change going on. But you know, some that
0: change often results in some really cool positive stuff. True. And I'm excited to see what positive stuff may happen. And you can also learn more about that in her books, which we'll start talking about in a bit. But first, I read that you earned a master's degree in social sciences, which I find really intriguing. And I'm curious to know, have you always planned on helping middle schoolers and teens with social issues? Or when did you decide that tweens and teens are going to be the focus of your writing and your work?
1: Mm, Yeah, good question. You know, no, I did not. Think I would land here, you know. So I've always been fascinated with human relationships, you know, and what we can do to really make them healthy and strong. Um, So that's that's was my area of study. And then when I had two preteens, it reminded me. You're watching my daughters go through the teen years, the preteen years, and the teen years. Reminded me so much of some things I struggled with, and that just got me really curious. So as writer I was like oh I really want to dive in and know more about that and and I wondered if there was something I could write and put out there that would help so so yeah so the long answer is no I absolutely didn't plan to land here but I'm so glad I did because um I do love this age it's you know there's challenges but it's such a a cool, interesting age too, because, you know, kids really are figuring out, well, who am I and who do I want to be? And you know, there's so many um, opportunities for choices and change. So yeah, that makes um, a lot of good content for books.
0: Absolutely. And my next question for you is about your newest read coming out, the phone book. Magic hand twirling. <laughs> 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 Let's talk about the phone book. So first off, Without giving away any spoilers, will you share a little bit about your new book?
1: Yes, yes. And so this one was super fun to write, and I wrote it during the pandemic when we were all getting sucked into our devices. And I could—I had a, two preteens, and actually had a preteen and an early teen, and. Um, you know, there was a lot of things we hadn't quite talked about with screens as they were getting sucked into them. And I was getting sucked into my screen too. So I, I of course, got curious um, and I wanted to really know uh, more about phones and how they work and the mysteries and the benefits and the opportunities and the drawbacks. So I just dove in to all of that. I watched this documentary called the social dilemma I don't know if you've ever seen that
0: I watched that did you
1: watch that yeah so I was watching that I was watching that in the pandemic I thought oh this is interesting so that was my inspiration and I just started to dig into the latest research on phones and you know because they're still sort of new we're still trying to piece together you know all these things like what is the right age and you know what is the right amount of time that you know, kids and teens should be spending online and, and what are some conversations that families need to be sure to have? So, so there was a lot of topics I could explore there. Um, So that's what, you know, got that book started. And just like my other books, you know, it's really interactive and um, there's secret codes and there's trivia and quizzes. I just, you know, because I'm competing with phones and, you know, (laughs) iPads, digital devices, I always feel like I have to make my books as, you know, Entertaining and engaging as possible, because, you know, let's face it, I feel like for all of us as humans, our attention spans might be getting a little shorter because of all mm-hmm. this technology that we're using all the time.
0: I guess when you're writing, it's a bit of TikTok, TikTok. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. You
0: gotta, like, the first five pages really matters, what I've heard, like the first five chapters, but now I feel like it's the first five pages. And then now it could be like the first page. You gotta really hook your reader. Oh, for sure. And the cover. Yeah, all of that. You just got to bring them right in. And speaking of the cover, it looks exactly like a phone, really. I, I mean, I don't think there's things that say like little pop ups right there. I mean, actually, there might be because like ads and stuff. So everything is really perfect about it and really encapsulates what a phone is, what it looks like and every everything. I really like it.
1: You know, it's so funny, funny story on that. So the original version of the phone on the phone book had the phone with the home button, you know, and now the, f- the home button's gone away. So it's like, we have to fix that. Like readers are are not gonna like the fact that this phone still has the, the home button on it. So we had to, 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 oh, yeah. to do uh, parts of the cover to get rid of that home button. But yeah, technology's always changing. So I, another thing I think about with this book is, you know, so in 20 years, you know, maybe when we all have like chips implanted in our brains. You know, this, this book is gonna seem really archaic, but you know it's it's really important for what, you know, kids are dealing with right now.
0: Definitely. And I hope that chips aren't installed in our brains in the next 20 years but you never know so you gotta... me too I'm with you EJ let's just not even go there that's yeah. like a really bad idea that's what they want us to think they want us to get that idea in our mind that they, the first step to implanting chips in our brain is to make us think about chips being implanted in our brain
1: exactly and then we'll all just be like walking AI robots yeah. so yeah let's let's not do that
0: <laughs> so but my, my, I have a follow-up question too the phone book. So, considering how many tweens and teens get to have cell phones these days, myself excluded because my mom will not let me have a phone because of me potentially getting sucked into the digital world and so I found your book to be a really relevant read as I've seen all the addiction and all that stuff go on in my middle school and I mean, it's a really good guide and maybe if some of those kids read the phone book if it existed when they first got their cell phones, maybe they wouldn't be trapped in the TikTok world watching dance videos and or whatever they watch. So anyway, I'm getting somewhere with this question. So I'm I'm curious to know, um since you now know all the dangers of being online, really you've really even dived deep into the topic. For all the parents here who might be about to give their kid their first cell phone or potentially thinking about it, what age would you allow your own kid to receive their first cell phone now that you know all the dangers and information and all that?
1: This is the million dollar question, huh? And I have to preface this with a little story because I was just visiting um, right before school ended here. I'm in Colorado. I I was hanging out with some high school juniors and seniors in their classroom and they all were reminiscing about the good old days when they actually used to go out and play kick the can with their neighbors or they used to, you know, play big group games. They were actually sad that, you know, the kids today don't often get to experience that because they're all so glued, hooked into screen. So that was, that, I'm just sharing that because that was so interesting. So these are now 17, 18 year olds that were just feeling nostalgic and sad for today's preteens who don't get to have some of those fun, you know, pre-tech experiences. Um, so the back to your question, you know, I wish I had an answer for that. I don't think there's a magic age. Um, I think it really depends on the person and what they're doing online and how many conversations those families have had at home and and what sort of boundaries are in place. So So that was a super long, you know, not exciting answer. I don't, I wish I knew that. Here's, here's what I wish though. Here's what I wish. I wish if I could wave a magic wand, I wish there were more guardrails in place to make Absolutely. them safer, better tools for kids. Um, Cause you know, let's face it. They were designed not with kids in mind. Like social media was not actually designed with kids in mind. The age 13 for social media was just arbitrarily pulled out of a bag so that these companies could comply with advertising and privacy rules. So so those are really insignificant too. So I, I think we're, you know, the kind of the the cart before the horse thing, like the, the train left the station. And now we have these wonderful technologies, but they're not really designed with the well-being of you know young people in mind. And, and I know you've probably seen the, the latest reports by the U.S. Surgeon General about mental health and, and you know, especially preteen girls. And they feel like, so much time on social media can really start to hurt their self-esteem and their feelings of self-worth. So yeah, it's, the, but there's awesome things too. And in, in fact, yeah. E-train, you are like, you're like the the shining star of the good things that technology can be used for. So how is that for like totally dodging that question and <laughs> not answering you, but I, I wish there were more guardrails in place and that I'd have a clear answer. But since there's no not many guardrails. I think it really depends on the person, you know, the student and what they're doing online.
0: Okay. So I, maybe this would be a better question than just purely when would you let your kid have a phone, but rather maybe I, what do you think the certain age, like for instance, a kid should be able to have like TikTok. Do you think 13 years old, which is what, The actual social media app says you have to be in order to use the app. Do you think that's a good kind of start and a good age for kids to kind of discover and swim their way through this large, large app, this huge pool? Or do you think they should be older or younger? Mm -hmm. I'm curious what you th- can. I ask you that question. I'm just curious sure. what you think. What do you think? Because you are a master
1: of, you know, you do amazing stuff on Twitter and on social media. So, so what do you think
0: about that? And and seeing what your peers are doing, what do you think? That's a good question. I think um, it's a bit difficult to really um, answer this because TikTok, it's it's all it's based on algorithms, which I I mean, it's kind of steals your information possibly. But it's also if you're if you are using that app, it can find like the videos that you like to watch. But first, before all the algorithms set in, they TikTok just plays a ton of different, totally different videos. And if you're a 13 year old just starting up on TikTok or you could even maybe have gotten on younger than that. Like it doesn't if you dodge the f- saying like, oh, I'm a different age than 13. I mean this is a long-winded answer but what I'm trying to say here is at the start of TikTok there could be inappropriate videos that um, it, it plays and it could just keep it could show random stuff like people saying cuss words on video games or it could show dog videos or cat videos you never know so that's how that's why it's so hard to answer the question but if I really have an answer I do think possibly 14 or 15. I think it depends on the, like you said, depends on the person. But I also think it depends on the grade. Because in the way, the way middle school is going now, like, and high school, you they may hear a lot of the inappropriate stuff in school that is also on TikTok. So I think, as sadly, as all the the horrible language and some of the bad stuff that's going on on social media spreads to the younger grades which it inevitably is happening i think maybe 14 or 15 that's a very very long-winded answer but at least it didn't dodge the question so
1: fortunately <laughs> yeah, you did better than me No, that i'm <laughs> going i think that's a that's a better age too i really do i think i i know that at this point the latest research i saw is um almost half of 11 year olds have a smartphone. And you know, my personal thought is, you know, that that's probably a little too early. And I just, I, I worry about the younger, especially girls who are watching really, um, just uh, standards of beauty that are not even, you know, obtainable and you know maybe some some rabbit holes like that that are are negative but you're right it kind of depends on what you're watching and so that's one thing i do talk about in the book is you know it's really great for you know anybody using technology to understand how those algorithms work and, you know, we can get ourselves into a real dark rabbit hole if we if we watch one thing and, and then the, you know, TikTok or whatever thinks that we like that and it starts showing more of that as something that's really negative, you know, we can get into a dark place, but we also... Can learn to recognize that and change our feet, you know, and and start to follow inspiring people like you that are making you know positive changes on the world. So, so you know, one one thing I would love to see is a lot more um, training. You know, kind of like you know you get your driver's license and that whole year before your driver's license, you're learning how to drive. Yeah. Yes, I would love to see a lot more of that, and that's what I was hoping to do a little bit in the book, is a lot more training so that, you know, kids are super informed with how these technologies work, so they become the driver instead of the technologies, you know, starting to drive them around.
0: Yeah, I love that answer, and well, I do, I think what you said about, like, kids having phones at 11 years old, that's what the studies say, I think it, it's super scary, and, I just hope that parents really, from your book, they'll discover that, A, they can put restrictions on these devices and these platforms, and it's just, that statistic alone is so much to process, because 11-year-olds, some are in sixth grade, some are still in elementary school, and They have phones and they could potentially, without their parents even knowing or guardians or caregivers knowing, they could dive into a rabbit hole that they might not be able to escape that might hurt them mentally, whether it's their mental health, how they think of themselves, but also just scar them and scare them as well. It's just crazy to think about.
1: Yeah, it is crazy to think about that's a such a good point you know the younger they get the more it's like oh yeah the less comfortable i feel about giving you know a window to the world because that's really what it is it's a window to the world you know but families can start smaller you know that's what i encourage that's what i did with with my kids they they started you know with just the gizmo watches um yeah started with that and then you know it got a little bit more advanced and now they're both in high school and they both um you know have cell phones and they do have access to you know browsers and one of them is into social media however interesting she's taken uh, uh she always takes a break off a of tiktok in the summer because she's she hmm. realizes it how much it like how much time it sucks so she's she has like t- breaks in the summer and then my other daughter's not that into it, you know. So every every mm. every kid's different. she's not that into social media. She doesn't really want to post selfies. Um, she's into other things. So you know, they have they're taking their own path. Um, but because they had to help me write this book, they're super informed. <laughs> 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 These po- those poor girls. They had to read each chapter like many times and give me feedback. So they were so critical in my writing process.
0: My next question is about. So specifically pages 70 and 71. So my mom took a peek in your new book, the phone book, and she was, well, she really liked the part where you talked about text slang. And to be honest, I think that it kind of made me cringe. Like (laughs) learning about all these different text abbreviations. And I think it's a fun addition to your book especially for parents, how (laughs) I know parents love to embarrass their kids to no end, maybe um, sometimes on purpose, sometimes not on purpose. I have a feeling my mom is going to start using some of the slang in your book in her text messages. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to see <laughs> I know. I think there's an age limit on those. Like, once you're beyond yeah.
1: a certain age, just don't even go there.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless you want to make your kids cringe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so for those of you curious what text slang is, text slang is kind of the, I mean, for pre- Hopefully, all of you know what like l o l is like laughing out loud, um but there's also a lot of newer ones that people that kids use, and this is just a sneak peek. You can learn a whole lot more about the text speech that your f- kids use when they message their friends um so another one s m h you may be thinking what does that mean salmon made hunger salmon me hungry no <laughs> that that's not what's that's not what that means i mean shaking my head like kind of like a face palm like are you serious? Which there are so many other, it's weird. there's so many different abbreviations that mean literally the exact same thing, but they just, they're used in like, I guess, different, get the same context. That makes no sense to a lot of you, but you'll get it from reading this book anyway. To get to that question part, how did you go about discovering all this text speech? Did you learn it from possibly your kids and how they message their friends or through the schools that you visited as well?
1: Both. And and I'll have to tell you, I do not use this myself personally. So I do feel like, you know, I'm too old to be (laughs) doing these myself. But I did, you know, talk to a lot of kids, including my own and did some web research too because there's really a new language out there and that's kind of cool like it's a whole new you know text speak language um, that people are communicating and having conversations with so you know I wanted to make sure there's a lot of fun elements in the book and that that's just kind of fun I had fun researching those you know and my kids would tell me like no nobody uses that one anymore so yeah. you know, we pull it and I'm sure there'll be more you know since yeah. books take a long time to make there's probably a that's few true. that are already old and there's always new. Ones you know up and coming but you know I think it's it's a pretty cool way that young people are communicating and figuring out ways to share how they're feeling through a you know a couple quick letters.
0: I know it's it's quite the it's quite something and uh after after reading about the abbreviations I'm sure there may be some people saying Oh, back in my day, we actually said full sentences. We didn't have these three-letter abbreviations. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, my kids make fun of me because I
1: still, like, I still type out, you know, sentences when I'm texting. And they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> I can't help myself. I'm still writing sentences. Even though I wrote a book called The Phone Book with text." I'm <laughs> still writing sentences in text and using some punctuation to Too make good. it even worse. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because kids do not, if there's a punctuation in the messages with kids, it's either passive aggressiveness, like a period at the end, which makes no sense. But I guess it's the new normal. If there's like, I mean, some, you're gonna, you all need to read the phone book to discover all of this and a whole lot more. And of course, we don't want to talk about the phone book all day, because it's just one of Jessica Spears' many amazing stories. So let's talk a bit about BFF or NRF, your debut middle grade book. It's directed primarily to middle school girls and above about their friendship issues. And I'm also, I'm just curious to know, could BFF or NRF be used to help boys as well in the ins and outs of friendship? And that said, that being said, also, just kind of what was the inspiration for BFF or NRF?
1: Yeah. You know, and that this is the one that grew out of the friendship program that I ran um, for students in school and mostly girls showed up. And I that wasn't um, that wasn't intentional. I was hoping not to have just mostly girls in these groups, but that's who showed up. And that's why that grew into mostly girls, because I wanted to share the stories I was hearing over and over again. But I have percolating in my head. Another version of that book that is just doesn't matter what gender you are, you know, because I a lot of like the the friendship pyramid um, is one of the resources in that book and it talks about, you know, all the hidden truths and, you know, changes that happen in friendship different levels of friendship you know that's that's universal you know no matter what your gender and even actually no matter what your age so i i have a new book it's like in my head and i i'm thinking once i get the phone book out in the world i want to i want to tackle that again because um you're yes to answer your question i'd like to do that again in a way that is not just girls it's it could be read by any preteen and
0: be relevant in their life. Well, that's great. And I'm excited to see how that story comes along. And it's very, very exciting. And maybe one day you'll make a a story like BFF or NRF for Mo. A uh, BFF or NRF. A dog's guide to happy puppy friendships. Oh, I like
1: that idea. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm. Those who are watching the video, I'm holding my little Chihuahua puppy. <laughs> yes, because Mo actually just graduated from puppy training class, so Mo is learning how to
0: be a dog friend too. <laughs> That's so! Congratulations, Mo. <laughs> she did great. She got a
1: solid C in puppy training.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a passing grade. Yep. C's C's get degrees, especially in puppy school. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Good job, Mo. And I'm also curious to know a bit about kind of your writing process. So all of your stories are under around 130 pages, which can be great for all types of readers, including reluctant ones. So, how do you manage to keep your stories short and easy to read, but you're still, how do you still pack all the information that you want to share into your book? Yeah, yeah, good question. You know, I've always
1: just been, you know, some people write super long and big books and Mm -hmm. um, long sentences. I've always just been a really concise writer. It's just kind of how I write. And then once I have a draft out, I I just cut away. Like if I don't need it, if it doesn't need to be in there, I just cut, cut, cut. Um, And I just want them to not feel overbearing because I am talking about tricky topics. So I feel like if if it was a book on a trippy, tricky tricky topic that was really big and heavy, everybody would run for the hills, right? So okay. so it has to be it has to be shorter. And my publisher's been really good about making sure there's illustrations throughout, and there's fun fonts, and you know there's color and activities. So I you know, I, I I keep that in mind because I know you know it's. Sometimes it'd be hard to read about tough stuff that might be going on right. in your life. So I want to make sure it's just as you know, non-intimidating as possible.
0: And that's really important for readers, because I don't think any kid wants to hear more about all the struggles that they're going on, that that's going on in their lives. And especially in an overbearing way that can make them feel, like you said, intimidated or scared or kind of freaked out. So... I think all your stories do a great job of tackling topics in a way that kind of brings readers in and closer to the story rather than shooing them away like a fly.
1: Yeah, you know, and and part of the inspiration for that was so when I was running these um, friendship programs, um, part of one of the one of the best things about the program is I think once Kids were involved with them. They looked around and like, oh, it's not just me. Look at all these other kids that are here too. And you know, so that's what I want my books to feel like too. So they're filled with the stories and experiences of real kids. You know, they're all like middle school safety, goggles, advice. Every every story and quote in that book, you know. I heard out of the mouth of a seventh grade student that I spoke with, you know, or they they wrote me a note with that information. And so I just, I want kids to realize, you know, what you're going through, there's a lot of, there's a lot of other students going through that as well and make sure they feel validated and seen in that.
0: I love that. And speaking of middle school, City Uncle's Advised, it is a very informative read dedicated to middle schoolers. And I think we're pretty awesome. So who wouldn't want to write about middle schoolers?
1: That is true, you guys are awesome. I love
0: middle schoolers, yeah, so it was a great tool for me when I was first entering middle school last year, and I know many other kids love it too, as it's like a field guide into the store into all the highs, lows, weird things, confusing things, everything about middle school. so we talked a bit about this, but how you started these friendship groups and but I'm curious to know a bit more about how you kind of got in touch with the seventh graders that you talked that you were able to communicate with, who shared their thoughts about middle school. How did you get in contact with them and find a way to kind of sit in in their classes and learn more?
1: Yeah, well, you know, it started with I had some teachers that I was in seventh grade classrooms that I was already working with. I was already working with them, helping with, you know, being a mentor and writing assignments and things like that. So at the beginning of their seventh grade year and went in and we just started first talking about writing and things like that. But then I, I had this idea for this book. So I started conversations with like, what do you think are the trickiest hardest things about middle school and I went to several several classes so I got a good sample size of that um, of what students thought and then from that I kind of collated the answers and 10 things rose to the surface that were said the most as to what are the trickiest things and and then through the course of the year I went back and talked to smaller groups about those specific things so I would sit down with a table of seventh graders and say okay Let's talk about crushes and dating. Like, what, what is re- what is really going on in the crushes and dating scene? And and that topic was one of the favorite. They love talking about that because that was especially especially entertaining and awkward. Uh, but they had a lot of feedback on the whole crushes and dating scene. Um, you know, so that happened over the whole you know course that year. I just kind of kept popping back in and asking questions. And sometimes, you know, if students didn't want to share anything in a small group, which is totally honest for a lot of these topics, I just give them a piece of paper. And they never had to share their name or anything. They could just write a paragraph of what they thought on that topic. And so, you know, that's also how I got a lot of, you know, amazing stories for the book too, is real stories and experiences that students shared with me.
0: That's awesome. And I'm also curious, so you meant you mentioned that you talked with bigger groups. So how did you go about getting information from them? Did you also have like sticky notes for instance that people might have written down their thoughts on or did they kind of call them out in class
1: so I put so when I was starting at the very beginning it, they'd be like in classroom tables and I'd give them a big like like a poster board sized piece of paper and you know so they started just like writing and, and talking amongst themselves and, and coming up with you know their top five lists and things like that so I had all of those that I kind of coordinated and counted and tabulated to come up with the topics that I then went back and revisited so so it was a lot of yeah a lot of with students but so fun and and I found they really wanted to talk about these things you know you know as kind of crazy and weird and awkward they wanted to talk about them um and especially in small groups you know we had a lot of great laughs about some of these things and some tough conversations too but you know I think they appreciated someone really interested in what is the real real middle school experience you know now today in, in today's world
0: I love that My next question for you is about your interactiveness in your stories. So you have puzzles, quiz questions, fill in the blanks. You really keep your readers engaged in your books. So what's your process for creating these fun bits in your stories? And how do you kind of go back and forth with your publisher, Familius, about creating these what? And also, how do you write them? Are they just another part of your manuscript or are they kind of a separate draft section? How does it work? I that's a great question. I I usually start with like a rough
1: outline of the book, you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe plug in stories and key concepts but then I I step back and think about okay now how can I make this interesting and fun you know and so I growing up loved like I get magazines with quizzes and then even my kids when they were you know younger they loved things like that you know Quizzes about, you know, what is your animal spirit or what is your this or what, you know, so, so they, I wanted to be sure to include something like that because one, it's fun, and two, you can also learn about yourself a lot, you know, through some of these quizzes. So, so in BFF, I, I, I started there and then I found that every book I'm adding more and more. In fact, for the phone book, I was, I, when we were just starting that book, I was like, so, how do you feel about secret codes? A different one in every chapter. And so, how do you feel about trivia because my books are so highly designed like every single page you know bless her heart the uh, a woman named mara harris designed the phone book and i I imagine she gets this manuscript and she's like oh no like i'm like okay did i get myself into yeah like this is morse code and this text here's upside down you know because it's the quiz answer and this text over you know so this is a sidebar so every single page is so highly designed so yeah hat's off to the book designers who are the ones that do the heavy lifting you know for me it's all in notes in a in a big word document but then the book designer is the one that really brings it to life with the fun fonts and the color and then you know the the illustrator Leslie Ingard, she's done my last two books and she's got a fun comic style that I love too so she she adds a whole new layer to the books.
0: My final question for you is the question I've asked every person I've interviewed if you could be or meet any literary character, it could be your favorite author or it could be your favorite character in a story. Who would it be and why? You could be them or you could meet them. What, what do you choose? Ooh, oh gosh, I have to choose one. Ooh. Okay, I have two. Can I do two? Okay. Yeah, you can. Do <laughs>
1: okay. Okay, so the first one that comes to mind is I don't know if you've ever read the book Stargirl by uh, Jerry Spinelli. Have you read that one? It's got, it's a movie now too, but that main character Stargirl is who I want to be on my very best day. Like she is so uniquely and beautifully who she is, which doesn't turn out well in the high school social scene, but I, I love and would aspire to be this beautiful soul that she is floating through you know her high school so it's, I did a Stargirl and then I'm reading a book right now and so put this on your radar because this book is coming out um I think you'd read Vertigree Pawn by Alyssa Wishingrad. Oh,
0: a- are you talking about Between Monsters and Marvels? Yes so I'm reading that right now. Are you reading that now? I haven't received a copy yet, but it looks awesome.
1: Yeah, it's not out yet, but there's a
0: main character. Her name is
1: Dare, and she is one sassy, tough (laughs) character. And she's awesome, too. Like, she is just fun to see this really strong, snarky um, main character that's taking on this whole story that deals with monsters and Marvel. So, uh, yeah, put that one on your radar. That's another character I'd love to have dinner with.
0: That is a great answer. Both of those are great answers. And when I talked to Alyssa Wishingrad, she on an interview, she re, she mentioned how mo- her Monsters and Marvels book is coming out. I mean, it was last year, so and she said in about a year. Wow, you, this year's flown by. I know this so, fall, it's coming this fall. Yep. The cover looks outstanding and really it's drawing me in. I want to read it so bad. Yeah.
1: It's really fun book. You know, it's one that you can, you know, some books you read and it almost like plays like a movie in your head. Yeah. It's one of those books.
0: Ooh, I love those. So Jessica, thank you so, so much for joining me today. I've loved listening to everything you've had to say today. And I'm sure our listeners learned a lot as well. Your writing journey is unique because your books share more than just stories, a story. They share many stories. And they're kind of non-fictional fictional books. And I'll, I mean, if that makes any sense. That makes perfect sense. That's exactly how I, I say they're non-fiction-ish.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Since I don't like, I don't neatly fit in any genre at this mm-hmm. point.
0: <laughs> well, I love, I love that description. And they provide roadmaps for how to maneuver through the ups and downs of middle school life in person and virtually too. virtually meaning through social media. And I've really never read a book like, or any books, because you have three of them, like yours. It just makes me so happy to see that there are writers out there who really understand what us middle schoolers are going through, and they have books out there that can be guides for incoming middle schoolers, and I really hope that more kids will discover and find refuge in your stories. And I can't wait to see what you write next. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, E-Train, and thank you for all that you're doing. I mean, you are just
1: shining such a bright light on reading and books for your generation. So I am just so inspired by your work. So thank you for having me, and thank you for doing what you're doing. Keep keep doing it, because it's amazing.